Okay, sure, Audio Hijack can access the microphone. I just upgraded my computer to Mojave, so this should be fine. Yeah, what could possibly go wrong? I'm fairly, yeah, I did right after our last recording. <laughs> so, yeah, it's kind of, I'm, I'm using dark mode, even though I never use dark mode, and like, it's kind of nice, kind of digging it, but... This is not an episode about Apple. It is one of our rare episodes about video games, in fact. Fairly recently, uh, Telltale announced that they were basically shutting down. Um, things hadn't been looking too good at Telltale for a while. Um, like, it's, it's really amazing, like, how... What a complete and utter shit show it was. <laughs> like, so they had several games that were like very successful. Um, and yet they, the nature of the properties they were taking on, like they were paying out tons of money um, for licensing. So they had to sell like more and more games all the time. And they created episodic games, which have, you know, constant deadlines one after another. Um, it was basically always crunch time at uh, Telltale, which is uh, torture. Yeah. <laughs> like, humans can't really work that way. Um, and even abusing their staff to the very limits of human endurance, uh, they still couldn't make a go of it as a studio. And it's really unfortunate because Telltale was doing some really interesting things. Uh, just really, uh, really, really badly, it turns out. Yeah, and even then, like, the failing isn't even, like, a failing of the overworked developers. Right. It's, you know, it's purely a business failing. I guess to summarize all this, um, like you said, most of their games are um, story-driven, but with really good graphics, Instead of, you know, like, just being a bunch of slides. <laughs> um, and they are, like, almost or perhaps entirely uh, licensed from someone else's IP. Uh, notably, um, The Walking Dead, um, among others. And I think uh, they did a couple of Batman games. Yeah, um, uh, my husband's playing one of them right now. Uh, the best feature of which is occasionally Grapple Away is available as a conversation option. And I really would like to have that in real life. But yeah, they um, that even The Wolf <laughs> Among Us was a licensed property. Uh, they reissued some classic adventure games, but I think it's been a while since they've done that kind of work. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't think they've really... I can't think of anything offhand uh, that was original, that they wouldn't have had to pay hefty, not just licensing fees, but pretty hefty licensing fees for. Yeah, so uh, the way this relationship works is it's pretty much deal with the devil because you're mm -hmm. paying to use someone else's characters um, in exchange for the fact that hopefully <laughs> that IP owner will promote it and that in your own efforts to market it, you're not having to introduce anyone to, you know, a universe. Right. Um, it also gets a lot of world building out of the way sometimes, right. um, depending, I mean, especially if you're doing like a sequel to a sequel or something, but 
it turns out uh, programming is hard. <laughs> it takes a long time. Animation is hard. Right. It takes a long time. You can try to throw more people at it, but at a certain point, you've got too many cooks in the kitchen and they can't, like, I, one of the articles that I read about it um, pointed out that nine women can't have a baby in one month. Yep. <laughs> like, it just it just doesn't work that way. And so the, the studio expanded really rapidly as they took on more projects and tried to get, like, multiple episodic series. So they were basically releasing games all the time. But at a certain point, like, certain things aren't uh, highly parallelized parallelizable yeah <laughs> it's really um it was an unsustainable model and it's really unfortunate because i mean so my, it seems like telltale had been kind of a revolving door all around just because they were so abusive yeah it's been crunch time for a while like years yeah. literal years <laughs> right <laughs> um and a lot of really great people just like suddenly lost their jobs they're not getting any severance apparently it, their their health plans cut off like what like three days after they were fired or something like that it was pretty egregious yeah so that that refers to the recent firing of almost all of the staff but a couple months ago like march ish of this calendar year they let 90 people go which is only like uh so like the most recent layoff was like 200 something so 90 a couple months ago was like maybe a quarter of their workforce then. Yeah, I think it was about 25%. And at the time it was like, really? Yeah. But I thought they were a successful studio. And they had always had, um, they were hiring people constantly. Like, apparently they they hired people like right up until they announced they were firing almost everybody. Yeah, like you can search for tweets from the affected people and it's like, I just started, you know, I moved here for this, or, Ooh. you know, I have a bunch of unpaid crunch time. Mm. Yeah, and they're in the Bay Area, right? Yes. So that's... They're, uh, they're San Rafael or Like, game developer is one of the worst paid developer positions because people think it's cool, <laughs> so they will accept less money and more abusive conditions. Um and it's really unfortunate that a bunch of people moved to the Bay Area right. <laughs> for these shitty jobs just for the sake of doing something really awesome. And they did. They did do some really awesome things, but like they really they really grind you down, apparently. Yeah. And who knows, you know, if they'll be able to find work quickly enough to not have to move back to wherever they came from. For those who actually can, yeah. I mean, it, moving's not cheap. Even, I mean, running away with your tail between your legs is also expensive, yeah. especially if it's like clear across the country or internationally, potentially. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if some people like, well, I don't know if Telltale was sponsoring visas. Maybe they weren't because it's that, you know, that's hard <laughs> comparatively. Right. But in any case, like, it really blows. Yeah, and in fact, it blows so much. There is already a lawsuit about it. Yeah, which is great. Um, although it would have been even better had... Well, so there's probably nothing that could have like saved Telltale the company, given what they had going on. But there's kind of a movement in um, games to like 
unionize kind of broadly as like as game developers everywhere and that would be pretty great yeah but good luck with that (laughs) i know because the big studios will say well we won't hire you if or you know they'll they'll do like skirting the very edge of what's legal or flat out illegal things to avoid uh union because they they rely on abusing people yeah the majority of people who write code for a living are not in a union in fact i might be the only one left which is just an artifact (laughs) of me working for a university so i'm in a union by default and i happen to write code (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think uh, my former co-workers at um, uc riverside are in a union now after many years of not being in one i of course am not Uh, In fact, it is my company's policy that we are strongly discouraged from discussing our salaries. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I've been socialized to avoid that anyway, just because it's, you know, where where I come from, it's considered like crass to talk about money. (laughs) But um, which which is probably to my detriment. Um, Oh, of course. Because it is a union busting tactic or union preventing tactic. Yeah, um, and if people don't know that they're being screwed, then they won't call you to account for it. Right. So, I mean, what do you blame more for this? You know, perpetual crunch time or, or you know, just um, the licensing model not being mixed with anything else? You know? I mean, it's it's a little from column A, yeah. a little from column B. Uh, it, it, and it's a little bit like Icarus, you know, they flew too close to the sun. Um, they wanted to get bigger and bigger and more and more and do more things and release more games and all their games were these you know big name ips and those cost a lot of money and developers are expensive and they can only work so many hours in a day and you'll hire more and i don't know um i mean it's just a it's a massive cocktail of of sewage yeah (laughs) <laughs> like when you get too many smells together and everything just smells like garbage because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> garbage is the smell of too many things at once yep. um, and several of them rotten which is pretty much telltale in a nutshell yeah <laughs> uh, and there was another article that came out I don't know if it was a coincidence or not but that this is sort of you know what's happening in the indie scene at large and a quick aside a company of 300 people calling it indie is like <laughs> is like calling Sam Adams a small business because they're not the size of Anheuser-Busch. Yeah, 300 is <laughs> pretty big. You know, uh, in, indie my ass, you know. But then, you know, they're not Activision, but, you know, right. that's still a sizable workforce. Yeah. Um, yeah, so apparently some people want to say that the problem in games is that there are too many games like period which is an interesting take uh it's certainly true that it's harder than ever to get a lot of visibility at least i don't know so it's harder in the in the very early days of the app store like apps were not released at the rate they are today there weren't as many people who knew um, programming because a lot of people now have grown up thinking that that was a thing that they should do and mm-hmm. they learned how, <laughs> whereas it was a little bit more unusual back in my day, especially for women, incidentally, which is why I didn't really start doing it until I was in my 20s. Um, 
And also, it was a lot harder in the earlier days of the App Store. There wasn't, for example, a graphical tool in Xcode at the time for iOS. Mm. It was only for building Mac apps. Um, and you had to manage RAM by yourself, you know. Ooh, <laughs> yucky. And you had to fit your apps within a fraction of the 128 megs of the original iPhone. And, you know, for better or worse, it led to more disciplined apps that were harder to make. Um and the plus side of the low volume meant that a website could cover literally every title in the App Store. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Steam is just sort of going through history, repeating itself uh, <laughs> on an eight-year delay. <laughs> <laughs> kind of. Because, you know, in 2014, you know, you could, you know, as a website with staff, look at everything in the Steam Store. Or at least look at everything that was greenlit. And now, like, neither of those is, you know, feasible because they say, you know, it's, it keeps doubling year over year. Hmm. Yeah. And so on the one hand, a lot of what comes out is like garbage. Yes. <laughs> it's just not very good. Just it's like, like the crap store. Right. It's the same <laughs> game with different graphics. And by graphics, I mean different assets from the Unity Asset Store. Yeah. <laughs> kind of cobbled together into something that may or may not make sense. Um. But there are, like, good games that aren't selling, like, like people feel they should be. Um, like, it's, it's my opinion <laughs> <laughs> that everyone should play West of Loathing because it's extremely good and funny and adorable. And, like, I think they're doing okay. I don't think they're worried about, you know, not, not uh, making their um, development costs back or anything. And they're, they are, they are actual indie developers in that I think there's like, I don't know, fewer than 10 of them <laughs> who worked on the game. <laughs> Maybe more if you, if you include like contractors for sound and that sort of thing. Yeah, but dozens versus hundreds. Right. So that's like something that I would think of as, as a sort of standout indie game. Um, and I heard about it. Like that was on my radar. So it's not like the system is completely broken. I think a lot of people who think that it is are releasing games that just aren't that great. Um, obviously, there are certain exceptions, like our friend Brian. Hi, Brian. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and his, um, I don't know, do we call it the Thundergut series or the, the Thunder Drunk Kill? The, the Thundergut Saga. <laughs> <laughs> sure, yeah, the Thundergut Saga. Um, those are both really great games. Of course, Drawn to Kill had the disadvantage that it was iPad only. You're, you definitely get more market penetration if you're on iPhones, because there are just more of them out there. But um, that is kind of the exception. Most of the games that aren't very successful just aren't also aren't very good or original or whatever. Right. Uh, and you have all of those, you know, making it impossible to discover the Drawn to Kill series. Yeah, you basically have to kind of, unless you like, can market like you have a marketing budget or like and a or, very big marketing budget right a significant not like yeah. the the free hundred bucks of, yeah. <laughs> of app store ads that apple distributed to everybody and that people used to buy their their competitor's their, name yeah yeah as yeah. an ad keyword which was which continues to be a thing i mean if you search for a popular app you'll find some clone or even wildly different things sometimes in the in your sponsored results and uh, apple doesn't feel that so i guess apple thinks that 
the uh, mobile app review websites out there weren't doing a good job of curation, like weren't driving people to apps well enough. So they decided to just remove a source of income for those people fairly recently. Um, iTunes, you can no longer get iTunes affiliates payouts for uh, linking to apps, which is something that I used to do on my old podcast. Yeah, uh, I think I, I think I of earned course. a lifetime, <laughs> like forty dollars or something. Of course, back then. Well, also, it wasn't all of that forty dollars just from uh, Brian buying the entire run of The Simpsons for like three hundred um, or whatever it was. <laughs> at, le- at least ten bucks of it was, in fact, <laughs> Brian buying the entire run of <laughs> The Simpsons. But um, but I did. I mean, we the the old podcast did drive a fair amount of traffic to the app store. People, of course, a lot of the things people ended up getting were free games. Exactly. Um, you know, so you basically did free marketing for the games and Apple because nothing um, is paid up front now. You know, and it's certainly much less than it was in 2014. So I mean, on one hand, you know, like yeah, it sucks. But on the other, like as someone who has seen the exponential increase in difficulty in getting word out about my releases on the app store since 2009 it's like welcome to the fucking party you know (laughs) yeah it's like we've known this sucked i feel like a jerk for saying that i mean a lot of the stuff that's undiscovered just isn't very good and maybe i'm not willing to say that maybe like way fewer people should actually try of course people should try you might succeed and if not maybe you'll have fun doing it but a lot of people aren't going to be able to quit their day jobs um, right. like maybe they could. In fact, uh, if anybody listening to this has not watched um, App the Human Story, that was really, really good and really, really depressing. Um, it was a documentary about the app store market, which kind of, which turned dark just as <laughs> indeed it did. <laughs> um, I mean, part of it is like how, how Panic basically stopped making apps for iOS because it's not a sustainable business model. Um, and and that's also apparently true in, in the game space, like in, in games in general, PC games, console games to some, I mean, uh, people are already, you know, looking back to the good old days of the Nintendo uh, eShop for Switch, right. which, <laughs> which came out like- <laughs> Two years, what? one year ago? Yeah, like a year and a half or something, not that long ago. <laughs> Was it March, 2017? Uh, something like that and <laughs> and now it's like i i'm not really sure that the problem is that there are too many games on the switch eShop. although to be honest when i brought my problem with the switch eShop is that there aren't that many games that appeal to me uh although i realize that i have very particular and idiosyncratic tastes <laughs> But yeah, it, the the Switch eShop, you know, also like it started out so small that you as an individual, first as an individual could curate the entire thing by yourself. Then it got a little bigger and it got to the point where, you know, well, any singular website could cover the entirety of the eShop. Um, but now it's gotten to the point where, you know, it's just as big as everything else and search is garbage slash non-existent. Oh, yeah. Nintendo is super bad at that sort of thing. Their, their search is even worse than Apple's. It's basically just a title match. <laughs> Yeah, it really seems like everybody kind of sucks. And like, so with the App Store, the search obviously isn't good. Apple has tons of data, not only about the kinds of games that I download, but the kinds that I play a lot because most of them do use Game Center. 
So they know like how how often and how much I'm playing these games. And yet the recommendations are just garbage. It's like, well, maybe you'd like to try, you know, heads up. It's like, oh, <laughs> you've downloaded a game. Here is the, you know, top uh, downloads in games. Right. One of the games you downloaded was popular. Perhaps you'd like to download other games that other that lots of other people also did. It's like not yeah. not really. The, the the metric I was <laughs> what I look for in a game isn't thousands of people have also downloaded it <laughs> like and and the the metadata system is is garbage like you're allowed to assign two categories to a game so first of all even if only one of them really applies every developer is going to assign two of them because otherwise you're basically throwing away marketing right. But they're ruining everything. First of all, the categories aren't nearly granular enough. There should be like, there should be a whole tree and there should also be like, I, so I, I like to think that a tagging system would be good, although that doesn't necessarily work that great in Steam, which does have that. Of course, a lot of those Steam tags are stupid. Or stuffed. <laughs> right. It's like there's a 60 frames per second tag, and I super don't yeah, care right. about it. Like, <laughs> there, I, there legitimately are people who will filter by that. I am not one of them, because that is an asinine metric. Yeah, and the App Store also has tagging. It's just transparent, and you don't get to like see the cloud you're pulling from when you do it. But, you know, that field is about as curated as anything else. And, you know, it's just up to the developer to accurately tag something and then up to the algorithm to actually kind of search correctly, which it doesn't. And it's just, you know. <laughs> yeah, it would be nice if accurate tagging were actually rewarded in some fashion so that developers would be incentivized to do it rather than to try to coattail on something that they think is going to be popular. Right. Yeah. We all remember the craze of all games having the prefix flappy in them. <laughs> right the verby nouns um, yep. <laughs> incidentally hipster whale is coming out uh, with a new game pretty soon and it involves cats and it looks like a um what is that i guess like a kind of a brick breaker sort of thing almost mechanic uh it looks really cute i'm kind of looking forward to it <laughs> but um that's neither here nor there it's a big problem um in games that i definitely uh i so socialism and trains might be helpful, <laughs> but they may not actually be. So socialism will help in that I think unions uh, would be a net good for the industry, but I don't know if that is going to help. I mean, it would definitely help perhaps a smaller number of people have a better life working in games. Um but I don't, I don't know if it would actually like totally fix games. I don't know how to fix games. I, I, I would like to, to say that I do and like have an idea, but I super don't. Everything just needs to be better all, all at once. Yeah. The, the long tail of the democratization of content is that nothing is worth anything anymore. That's true. People will not pay for games. Right. And unless you can figure out an alternative monetization that either, you know, exploits people, you know, with <laughs> um, research coming straight out of casinos. Right. And those kind of mechanics can get you into legal hot water in Europe. Yeah, but not here they don't. No. Um, and we are a bigger market, but it, it would kind of be nice uh, 
<laughs> if some, and it, it'll never, I mean, I don't see it happening anytime soon of us getting any kind of consumer protections anywhere near as good um, right. as GDPR and gambling laws in Europe, but that would be nice. Like just, <laughs> I, I think people should be able to sell a game for like 30 bucks and sell enough copies that they can make their next game, not have to abuse their staff. <laughs> like, yeah. And and some, you know, larger, higher tier games are 60 that, you know, a lot of those games actually do fine. Like the really expensive ones, um, your Witcher type games do okay. Um, although even those are becoming increasingly unsustainable uh, as more and more is expected of a game. But humans can, <laughs> human productivity has not kept pace. <laughs> like, because yeah. it can't. I mean, we're just, you know, little meat bags who need to sleep and eat and stuff. So I wonder if we did have better laws. So two giants that I'd like to contrast are um, uh, 343 Studios, which is a subsidiary of Microsoft that only handles the Halo franchise. Um, and they have the advantage of having blank checks from Microsoft to make Halo games. <laughs> yeah, that must be helpful. Um, and as a result, the games are $60 and it's a whole game. <laughs> <laughs> you know, plus your annual fee to uh, Microsoft to play online, which is completely separate from the story mode. And mm -hmm. then you have Activision, which is where some of the old Halo developers went... Um, after their original contract with Microsoft ran out and they had the option to finally leave. <laughs> well, not to, like, not leave, quit. They could always quit, but, like, leave and then right. work on another game. Um, and what they came out with, Destiny, which um, got, like, worse and worse between, like, <laughs> trailers and the actual release because, like, trailer content arrived in DLCs, even though right. it was supposed to be part of the original game. The original game was, like... <laughs> missing a story like at all um i knew people were disappointed but i did not realize that there was trailer content that was dlcs that's hilarious and like third dlc uh, and then so good. and then um destiny 2 um which i don't know how it managed to make it out of the door with all that but instead of addressing any of that criticism um it just did it all again, and then added loot boxes and microtransactions in classic Activision fashion. Cool. So, like, on one hand, you know, like, yeah, the the real indie has no chance of chasing the Halo franchise because they ha literally have unlimited money. And by the way, because they are part of Microsoft, they get to influence the direction of, like, the Xbox hardware. Right. <laughs> so if That's they need something, they can advantage. get it put in. Um, <laughs> But yeah. but on the other hand, if uh, you know, we there were any sort of regulation that made um, crap factories like Activision just impossible <laughs> to exist, because they just they abuse both the player and the developer, you know, maybe that would clear some room because obviously they have the marketing budget to get that out in front of your face instead of you know maybe some indie title that you would enjoy more. Yeah, that isn't gonna make you pay for bullets. Yeah, man. <laughs> they have some pretty egregious uh, stuff going on. It, it's unfortunate that... And don't... I mean, Destiny was a $60 game, wasn't it? Yes. 
was Destiny 2 also a $60 game? Yep. Like, it's pretty so six, bad. So to... $60 plus a season pass plus a third DLC that, by the way, wasn't in the season pass. <sighs> cool. So not only are they charging <laughs> you full price. And, okay, so there's the argument that, well, games, the the cost of games has not, uh, the price of games, rather, has not kept up with the cost of development. So you have to sell unsustainable numbers of copies. Or inflation, and, for that matter. I mean, games have always been $60. That's true. And $60 used to be uh, an ex- a, lot, yeah. a lot more money than it is now. But eh. yeah, because console prices themselves have obviously kept up with inflation. You know, like I think, you know, like a Nintendo or a Sega Genesis were like one or two hundred dollars a piece. And now like, you know, well, Xbox is started for $99, but you probably <laughs> don't want that hard drive in it. Yeah. I I do think though that there there's probably a case to be made that like certain really expensive things aren't terribly important uh like to the general enjoyability of a game. And I realize uh among gamers that would be a fairly radical position and I am clearly a filthy casual, but mm. Like, there are some really great games out there that don't have, like, photorealistic 60 frame per second that don't require me to buy a new video card, and they're still awesome. (laughs) There are other aspects to a game that might merit more focus and might be achieved less expensively. Uh, And I get that there are certain, like, awards and whatever and press accolades that people want that you can't get without doing those ridiculous like things but um maybe like try to strike a balance between less expensive still good games and like <laughs> massive like you know mcmansions of games <laughs> yeah you know like mixed income games <laughs> well isn't a bunch of uh in-app purchases mixed income for games I don't know. I get. I guess in that your experience will be crappier if you can't. <laughs> if you can't spend more money. Uh, oh, oh no! <laughs> we, we recapitulated capitalism uh, and and the horrors thereof in our games, which of course we we would because games exist in a system of capitalism and yeah, and everything's terrible and we're all going to die. Yeah, unsurprisingly, we weren't able to fix capitalism in thirty minutes, but. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> um, the only hope, and this is very cynical, is that after a crash, usually the next wave of things is pretty good. But I do feel really bad for all the people who's, I mean, you, you can't have a crash without a lot of people getting hurt. And exactly. a lot of those people don't deserve it. Some do. Most don't. Right. And even then, like, the manager type people that are responsible for crunch are usually the ones that manage to find Jobs being dick managers at other software companies. Yeah. Which is super. Maybe we just need to abolish middle management. Um, there's a case to, there's a, pretty, <laughs> there's a, there's a case to be made for that. Like at my specific company, like we kind of don't really have that. Like what constitutes our middle management is developers who also, who do like, like probably 50% development and like the other half, like reviewing our timesheets and bullshit like that. So you have developers that report to other developers. 
pretty much. Um, now, like, three levels up from me are people who are just managers, but there's only, like, two levels of those people before you get to our corporate overlords, and they have, like, sort of, well, I guess they're getting more, and this is, like, gossip about my work, <laughs> which is super boring, I realize. Um, so right now we operate almost middle manager uh in a way that is blissfully unencumbered by a corporate behemoth, although that may or may not be changing, and I hope not. <laughs> corporate behemoths suck. Yes, yes, they do. Like uh, our old friend, uh, PepsiCo, Frito-Lay, Captain Crunch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Taco Bell KFC. <laughs> right. <laughs> Does Pizza Hut also fall under that? Tata? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, maybe we'll all be dead in a decade. Yep, I mean, we almost died today. Yeah. <laughs> And like we're we're stepping up our carbon emissions, we're dismantling the EPA. Uh even though we kind of need the environment, like the air and the water, <laughs> these things are fairly important to life on Earth. But you know, whatevs. Corporate nah, profits. Fine. It's fine. God. So yay. Yep, everything's doomed. 